0: Uh, It's really good to see all you guys this morning, um, and it's really good to be um, talking at you this morning, because I'm going to be talking at you about um, one of my favorite things uh, to talk at people about. Um, And just I want to preface it with this, uh, today's sermon, uh, I will be talking at you. You can feel free to talk at me too if you want. Uh, I could use some amens every now and then. uh, Yeah, thank you. Gracias, hermano. Uh, those work, too. Those are good. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, like I said, I'm going to be talking at you guys a lot today, of course, um, because I'm the only one with the microphone, but, and I think that this sermon will be one of those that you're going to leave here probably with more questions than you will uh, answers, um, but that's okay, because the hope is that there's going to be a lot more talks about this stuff coming in the future. That's the plan, um, hopefully some times where we're all going to be able to sit down and open our Bibles together, and uh, study this together, and ask questions, and hopefully find some answers, um, but more, more importantly than all those things, hopefully times are coming when we get to um, not just talk about these things, but experience these things, um, if the Lord wills it. So, I wanted to start off the sermon today with A story. Uh, it's a story about a young boy named Timmy. Uh, you already can tell this isn't a real story you're like there are no little boys named Timmy, but in every made up story the boy's name is always Timmy. Uh, <laughs> uh, this boy, Timmy, uh, was just your average uh, young boy uh, rolling around you know just about the age of uh, eight or nine. he's rolling around on his bike uh, throughout the suburbs, just doing what Young boys did before video games, um, just rolling around with his backwards hat and his uh, chewing some bubble gum and things like that. And Timmy is rolling around the neighborhood, and Timmy's just doing what he always does. This is his routine. He's on his bike and he drives down his normal neighborhood um, on a normal day, uh, just like everything else he does in his normal little life. But Timmy fantasizes and his imagination is filled with stories of a time that was not so normal. When the sky wasn't so cloudy and gray and when uh, everything wasn't just so routine, he dreams about a time where things weren't normal. You see, Timmy is about eight or nine years old and time before he was he was born they were said to be superheroes. There were superheroes who would go out like in the comic books and they would fight crime and they would jump over buildings and they would uh, pick up trains and they would shoot laser beams out of their hands and they tell these stories as things that really happened and you knew people you know he sits down and he talks with his grandma he talks with his mom he talks with his dad and they talk about the good old days when when there were superheroes. But not anymore, because you see, after a while, superheroes, very effective as they were uh, at fighting crime and getting rid of bad guys and stuff like that, uh, superheroes were messy. Superheroes broke stuff. Like I said, they picked up trains and stuff to fight bad guys and, and all that kind of thing, and they broke things sometimes when they were fighting bad guys, and so the world got kind of tired of the messiness of superheroes, and so they said, no more superheroes. We're gonna let the police deal with it. We'll let the insurance companies pay for the damages and stuff like that. No more superheroes, we don't wanna to have to deal with the mess. And so superheroes went away. Superheroes went into hiding. Superheroes went into kind of witness protection. And so Timmy rolls around on his bike dreaming about the olden days, the good old days when superheroes and their superpowers existed. But now he just kinda of rides his bike around Dreaming about those good old days. Until one day, he's rolling down the street, and uh, down the street, you know, he's kind of riding, and he sees uh, this middle-aged fat man get out of his car, and uh, he's kinda, he sees him get out of his car, and all of a sudden, boom, he, uh, he sees him fall, he slips, as soon as he gets out of his car, and, uh, you know, he's a little bit far away, but he can hear the curse words, right? He, he hears him uh, getting, you know, visibly or audibly upset, And, you know, he keeps on riding his bike, kind of trying to pretend like um, he can't, you know, he's not paying attention to him, you know. I do that a lot. I like to watch people and pretend like, you know, I'm I'm not looking at them. Uh, Whenever I was in first grade, I didn't know that people could actually see your eyeballs move. Uh, And so I would kind of sit there like this as somebody would walk by. Uh, I'm sure I was the creepiest little kid ever. Uh, But anyway, so this kid's watching. Uh, watching this guy get upset and you know uh, he hears the curse words and then he keeps riding his bike and uh, then things are starting to get really out of hand. The guy slams his door so hard that the glass shatters in the driver's seat. And at this point he's almost right next to the house and being a little kid and being nosy like me he can't help but just park his bike right there and just see what more this guy is going to do. And he's sitting there and he's watching this angry middle-aged man. And then out of nowhere, the man picks up the car and looks like he's getting ready to just yeet this thing. Yeet means a kid term for throwing something really hard with a lot of aggression. And so he looks like he's just going to yeet this car across the neighborhood. And then he turns around and he sees this little boy, Timmy, with his jaw on the pavement. So the man gathers himself and slowly sets down the car and walks back inside, hoping that this little boy or nobody's going to believe this little boy, right, if he tells somebody. And this little boy, Timmy, he stops and this beautiful, amazing thought comes into his head. I knew that there were still superheroes. I knew that those people with the superpowers are still out there. So he drives home, or he rides his bike back home super excited and he pulls up the next day in the same driveway and the middle-aged the angry middle-aged man who picked up the car steps out of the car and he turns around and he sees the little boy and the little boy he, sa- he says what are you looking at? What are you waiting? Or he says what are you waiting for? And does anybody know what the little boy says? <laughs> Something amazing, I guess. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm describing uh, one of the greatest scenes in movies of all time uh, from The Incredibles. Why am I talking about this? (laughs) I'm talking about this because I'm afraid that the church has stopped waiting for something amazing. I'm afraid that we've gotten okay with church just being normal and routine and something that can be explained and something that can be expected and something that can be controlled. You see, there are people, we've been taught, a lot of us, many for a long time, is that, yes, there's a the Holy Spirit, you know, just like in the Incredibles, there, is, there's super, there are superpowers. But, you know, it doesn't really happen anymore. The Holy Spirit's there, but he doesn't really do much anymore. Or if he does, it's something that we can very, it's very conveniently all the things that we can explain. And what I'm here to tell you today is that the Holy Spirit is still working, he's still alive, and he is still doing incredible things. Thank you, yeah, you guys got it, thanks. Okay. If like two, if I just know that like two or three of y'all are with me this morning, then that'll be all I need. So great. Um, I've used up half of my time already with my opening illustration, so I'm gonna, let's hit the road here. Um, I'm just gonna pray, um, real quick. Jesus, uh, as always, I need your help. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide this time. I pray that you would open up our hearts. To truth, lead us into the truth, Holy Spirit. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, I didn't know that my opening illustration was going to take so long, but good thing, because uh, we're only actually going to be uh, sitting in just really one verse today. Um, and this is that verse. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And uh, yeah, there we go. So here it is. It says, Now the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the common good. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Uh, And and this is where I want to sit today um, because I feel like this is like the mission statement for the spiritual gifts. Like if Paul was writing out like if he could condense it down and make every word mean a whole lot, uh, to describe and tell us what the spiritual gifts are all about, he would. I think this would be like the verse for it, okay? So we're just going to run through uh, this verse today, and my hope is that this verse is going a- to answer a few questions for us about the spiritual gifts. first one is, what are the spiritual gifts? And then the second one is, who gets the spiritual gifts? And the last one is, what are the spiritual gifts for? Okay? So um, the first thing... That the spiritual gifts, or what are the spiritual gifts, I think is answered by this part of the verse. It says, now the manifestation of the Spirit. One of the, this is one of the words that Paul... Paul is basically using this interchangeably with gifts of the Spirit. Because right after this, he's going to go on and, t- and say what all the gifts of the Spirit are. Or he lists some of the gifts of the Spirit. And so for Paul the gifts of the Spirit are actually a manifestation of the Spirit. And what is a manifestation? Uh, Manifestation is simply just something coming up and showing itself. It's something that's revealing itself. It's disclosing itself. Kind of like, you know, Casper. If Casper showed up and uh, you know, sometimes he would show himself to people you know, in the cartoon. uh, He's just showing himself to be there, right? Uh, And so that's what a manifestation is. And so what Paul is saying right here is that the gifts of the Spirit are actually a manifestation of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are the Holy Spirit showing himself to be there. We know that the Holy Spirit is here. We know that the Holy Spirit lives in us, and he moves among us in the church. But whenever the spiritual gifts are practiced, Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself. Holy Spirit is showing himself to be here which I really appreciate the distinction that Terry gave last week. You know, he talked about the fruit of the Spirit versus the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, is Paul, Paul says that if you walk in the Spirit, you're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit, is basically what he says in uh, Galatians chapter 5. and He says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and all those things. And so basically what he's saying about that is that if you walk in the Spirit, you're, the, he's going to be evidenced. We can tell that he's in you. We can tell you're walking with him if all of these things, love and joy and peace and patience and all those things are coming up in your life. And so it's kind of like if the Holy Spirit was, is the root, something you can't see under the surface, the fruit, the evidence of him being there is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all those things. So that's a helpful way to think about that. But, it's, but Paul is also saying that there's another way that we can see the Holy Spirit. And that is when the spiritual gifts, what we're about to talk about, are practiced in the church. When, the, when they show up, we are seeing the Holy Spirit manifest himself, which is a really big deal. What if I told you that when you're going out to invite your friends to church, that you could promise them, you could say, hey, come to church, you're going to see God. God is going to manifest himself in front of you today when you come to church with me. That's a big deal. And that's basically what he's saying. He's saying the Holy Spirit reveals himself manifests himself in the spiritual gifts. Now, um, what are those spiritual gifts? What are those manifestations? What does that look like? Just real quick, uh, in the next verse, in in verse 8, this is what he says. So he says, to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And this is what he's saying the manifestations look like when the Holy Spirit is showing himself through these things, through these gifts of the Spirit. He said to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another sorry uh, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues So, Paul is saying that whenever these things are happening, whenever the spiritual gifts are being practiced, we are seeing the Holy Spirit show up in front of us before our very eyes. And this makes sense, because we're saying that uh, these things are Holy Spirit showing himself, that they really are the Holy Spirit coming out in our presence. And, you know, uh, when he talks about tongues, the Bible says they call it, in other places, he calls it praying in the Spirit. It's a manifestation in the Spirit because when somebody is praying and speaking in tongues, it's the Holy Spirit is praying. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf. That's what's happening there. And so that's how the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself there. And some of the other ones, they don't really even require explaining. Gifts of healing. Somebody gets touched and their body is made whole. How can that not, how can that not be the most obvious manifestation of God? People have to look at that and say, God... That only God could have done that, right? Some people like to say, and this is how bad we've gotten. This is how astray the church as a whole has gotten in places. Is people are making the same mistakes that the Pharisees did in the first century. We even have examples in the Bible, and we still say it. Oh uh, well, people. That person got healed by demons. Are you kidding me? They even said that about Jesus, and Jesus said, "Are you serious? The demons are casting out demons." It's ridiculous, and the church has gotten to say that. The church, that's, that's where some a lot of people stand on this now. But that's not what it is, so I'm getting a little bit off track. The Holy Spirit is manifesting himself. He's showing his power by touching somebody and their body being healed. That's what we're seeing in the manifestation of the Spirit. God is showing up and doing what he does. I want to move on to the next... <clears throat> the next part of this verse. So the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are a manifestation of the Spirit. It's Him showing up. The next thing to see is that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Each one. Every person is getting in on this. And that lines up with what God has already said before Paul ever wrote this passage. You remember back at Pentecost, all the people start getting up and... Uh, speaking in tongues and all the people hear them in their own language and uh, it's super amazing and Peter commentates, or comments on, commentates, is that, I don't know if that's the right way to say that but Peter gets up and comments on what's happening and he points back to Joel and this is what he says he says, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. This lines up with what Peter was saying. Peter was saying from Joel that when the Holy Spirit comes on the church, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all people. And he's talking about in the church, okay? He's not saying that God's pouring out his spirit on every single person. But the point of what he's saying is, is in the church, everybody's getting the spirit. Everybody's got them. And here's the thing, is when the Holy Spirit comes on the people, it's backed up, or it's not backed up, but it's paired with this supernatural phenomenon. He says, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on people, and what happens when the Holy Spirit gets poured out on people? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He said, even on the servants, they're going to prophesy. And that's what we're seeing here in 1 Corinthians 14. This is my favorite thing. One of my favorite things about the spiritual gifts is Paul is writing to this church, and he's saying, He's saying, Hey, here is how you do the spiritual gifts. He says, you, and he's telling them you are doing the spiritual gifts. But he's not talking to apostles, primarily. He's not talking to uh, Timothy. He's not talking to Peter. He's talking to normal people. He's talking to the everyday members of the church because the Spirit is poured out on all people in the church. And to, you see, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? To each one. That means that each person is given a gift. This is for somebody today. I know that some, there, I've spoken to many myself who say, I don't have a gift. You have a gift. And I, I'll be honest here with this. I don't know if Christians, you know, whenever as a Christian, you, you receive the Holy Spirit whenever you become a Christian, Okay? So uh, I don't know if it's you receive your gift as soon as you receive the Holy Spirit and it's just there and you need to just find out that you have it or if, you have, if it's kind of locked up in a box and you need, the Lord, you need to ask the Lord to unlock it and show you. I, I don't really know how it works, but I do know that if you're not sure, you're supposed to ask. You're supposed to ask however you want to understand it. Either ask God, what gift do I have? Or you can ask God give me a gift. Either one I think is fine. I think the Lord can work out the minutiae uh, within your request. Because you see, if you go through 1 Corinthians 14, these are commands. He said, Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Do you know that's a command in the Bible? That just as, along with do not You know, be sexually immoral, do not lie, uh, encourage one another. Another one of God's commands in the Word is to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts in the context of what we're talking about right here. He goes on in another place, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So wherever you're at, if you know your gift, you don't know what your gift is, you think you might not have one, we're all in the same boat. God says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And I'm going to be honest, I'm hoping to do a little bit of teaching today, uh, but what I really hope for more than anything is that you'll leave this room today seeing that the spiritual gifts are real and beautiful, and we need them. And I pray that the Lord, I don't, I, and I feel like I will have failed if anybody leaves this room and they say, Uh, Well, I guess it'd be progress, but if somebody goes from, nope, I don't believe in it, to, okay, I'm open to it, I guess that would be a win. But what I really want is, what I hope for and pray for, is that you would leave being like, I need that. Our church needs that. There's been something missing without it. Surely this isn't the whole picture. There's so much more. This is a piece in our walk with God. This is a piece of our church life but it's a really important one and it's a really beautiful one. And I believe that there are some problems in the body that God, were not, was, God did not intend for, to be in place because these spiritual gifts were supposed to address them. There are some things, there are some things that can just only be handled in some ways. There are some things like with, like our church, if we want to be strong theologically, if we want to be strong uh, in the way that we think and have the mind of Christ and not be led astray into false doctrine, what's the answer? It's right here. It's the Bible. There is no other answer. There's nothing else that we that can do that for us. And I'm afraid that there are other things. <laughs> there, are, there, are, there, there are sick people in churches who may not need to be sick. thinking if we really stepped into this and we really saw the lord do this and we really pursued the spiritual gifts like paul's saying to do maybe there are people in our, in this room who would not have to be sick if we really learned how to step into the gifts of the spirit and healing specifically and that's challenging this is all challenging if we sit here in this room and i'm getting up here and telling you that this is so important that these spiritual gifts are so important and it's such a big deal, and they're real, and they've been real this whole time. Uh, it, makes me, it makes people feel like, well, you're telling me that I've been wrong for so long. Or you're telling me that I'm missing something. Or you're telling me that I'm inadequate in some way. And, and that really puts people off sometimes. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We have been inadequate in some of these things. And it's not, it's on all of us. If this is real, and man, I, I really do believe it is, uh, then we've just missed it for a while. But that's okay. Because the Lord calls us to repentance. The Lord can fix these things. It's like, a, I, I feel like, and I've heard this said before, that, and this is something that the Lord is doing everywhere. This is something that the God that God is not just doing in Pentecostal churches. This is something that God's not just doing in charismatic churches. The Lord is is moving people back to the Holy Spirit. He's moving people back to the gifts of the Spirit in these things. And it's happening <coughs> in Anglican churches. It's happening in Catholic churches. There's a whole charismatic Catholic movement, uh, which probably that's not the best example because not everybody here is probably like, I want to be Catholic. <laughs> but, it, but, and it's also happening in churches of Christ. God is doing this and he's bringing us back to the Holy Spirit and to the gifts and to the power of that we need. And that brings me to the last point is what are the gifts of the spirit for? Because and I think this is such an important question because a lot of us have seen the gifts of the spirit and this kind of thing distorted and we've seen it done wrong and it's left a really bad taste in our mouth. And we some of us might actually be confused on what this what these gifts of the spirit are actually for. Some of us, by watching TV, may think that it's just for some really charismatic guy to get up there, charismatic as in like Winsome, and um, for some guy to get up there and make a buck trying to sell people uh, rags on the internet. Or we think that maybe it's, you know, just for people who really like to be crazy (laughs) and this is just kind of how they do it and they just kind of make this stuff up. Uh, So it's really important that we go back to figuring out what the spiritual gifts are actually for in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 tells us that the spiritual gifts, the manifestation of the spirit are for the common good. The gifts of the spirit are for the profit. You can look at other translations. It's for the profit, for the benefit of all, meaning in the church. There's a word um, that Paul likes to use a lot in, in his writings, and the word, and it's actually the whole New Testament uh, as a whole uses this word a lot, and it's the word uh, that's used to, um, to tra- it's translated to edify. The, the word that we, you know, the, in English we get from like edifice, like a big building. It's a word uh, that Jesus uses um, to say like, hey, you know, when he walks by the temple, and his disciples are like, hey, look at these great buildings, right? It's that word, it's the same word. And so Paul is a lot of times in his, uh, letters telling the church, hey, you need to build one another up, which is a great word because I like it because it's very visual. Uh, I can I can imagine what it looks like to build somebody up, right? I definitely know the opposite. I know what it looks like to tear somebody down, to speak uh, hatefully to somebody, or and just, and you, right, you can see it in a person when they've been torn down, right? Like, it almost manifests physically, like, It affects your posture, and so you know what it looks like to tear somebody down. And so when Paul says, hey, you need to build each other up, I know what that looks like, or I know at least what the result would be of us being built up. It's people being encouraged, it's people being strengthened. And so Paul uses this word a lot, uh, but the thing about it is he rarely tells you how. He says, uh, you need to build each other up, and kind of like, okay, I'll try, like, I'll try to figure out how to do that. In a couple of places, he'll tell you how. Uh, like in 1 Corinthians 8, he says, um, love builds up, and he uses that word. Um, this word study's almost over. Uh, stick with me, uh, and I'm getting to a point here. But what's really interesting is there is, and there are a few places where he actually does tell you how to build one another up, how to edify each other, Practically. And most of those occurrences are when Paul is talking about the spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 14, these scriptures that we're in right now. He says, I won't go and look at them all right now because I'm already over my time, but he talks about how when a person speaks in tongues, he builds himself up. He edifies himself. And then he says, whenever a person prophesies, the whole church, the whole body is built up. The whole body is edified. And so we should stop and we should really take a minute and look and say, we're supposed to build each other up? This is one of the very few examples of where he shows us how that's done. And I think Paul really thought that the way that the church stayed built up, the way that the church stayed encouraged is, was, was through the Holy Spirit moving through the people in the church to build one another up. I, I want to mention something that I think might help connect some dots a little bit. You might, I think it offends some people whenever I compare the Holy Spirit to superheroes and to uh, superpowers and stuff like that. Um, And so I want to kind of clear that up just a little bit. Uh, Jesus, whenever he walked on this earth, uh, would it be fair to say that he was the body of Christ? (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) And he was, I think we would also all agree, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is how Jesus performed all of his miracles. This is how Jesus did all of the amazing things that he did. If you go back and read, there are verses that say, uh, and because Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he he did all these things. The Holy Spirit empowered him to do these things. And so you get miracles and amazing things happening, supernatural things, whenever you have the body of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's no coincidence that Paul... Calls us the church the body of Christ and he talks about how our body, the body of Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit and so when you combine these things it's why we see, it's why it's okay it's why it's permissible, why we can expect to see people normal people doing amazing things doing miraculous things that we're talking about here because, not because we're any special kind of people, well, I guess we are, but the reason that we're special is because we're the body of Christ. And that's also why Paul goes, and he, you'll hear him say, uh, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about about each one getting a gift, is that each person gets a gift. It's because we are a body. Nobody is the whole body of Christ. We have the arms, we have the legs, we have the hands, and so... We see with all of us combined together being filled with the Holy Spirit and everybody having a spiritual gift, you see, really, you see the body of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit like you did whenever Jesus walked on the earth. I want to t- say just a minute, say just a little bit about, or just give some, a story Um. About this for the common good thing, about the upbuilding thing. <clears throat> I really experienced this. Um, I, I really start to see this this thing about how how the spiritual. At first, whenever I, I, I was learning about this stuff, uh, the biggest part of me was like, "Oh, this is like really cool." Like I felt like Timmy seeing the guy pick up a car. I'm like, "Oh, this is still happening." Like the Bible, like. It, this is still all the stuff in the Bible. This is still happening. I felt like a little kid, and it was awesome. And that was like the main thing for me. And that's kind of why I wanted to see this kind of thing. It's just because it was really awesome. But uh, a few years ago, the Lord really started to show me, take my attention over away from the amazingness of it to the benefit of it, seeing how good it is in people's life when this stuff happens. And so uh, one time, one of the biggest things was I was at a conference and I was hearing uh, one of the speakers talk. Um, his name is Jack Deere. Uh, he's written a few books about this kind of thing. He was a professor at DTS, which is where I went to school, which is a cessationist school, which doesn't believe in any of this stuff. That I'm t- like, I might get my uh, my degree revoked if anybody goes <laughs> and listens to this sermon. Uh, but he was a, a professor there, and the Holy Spirit just came and started showing him all these things, uh, and he had to change his views, and he got kicked out as professor there. Um, But now the Lord's using him to do great things for the kingdom in this area. Basically, back to the story. Um, He was telling this story about uh, they went to uh, this youth group meeting, and they were in the room, and he had a guy who was with him who was known to just be prophetically gifted, a gift of prophecy that we see here in these passages. And he was standing up there, and the guy was just kind of praying and kind of asking the Lord to give him um, a prophetic word for any of the kids uh, who were in the room. And he felt like he, when he felt like he had got one, um, he pointed out a a young girl in the, uh, one of the front rows of the room. There were about like 200 kids in the room. And the guy points out the girl, and he said, hey, what's your name? Uh, And she said her name was Julie. And she was sitting there, um, and he said, well, Julie, I felt like I got a vision um, of you, and it was of you in your room last Tuesday night, and you were crying, and you were crying really hard, and she was sitting there and just kind of listening and like super embarrassed, you know, just everybody's looking at her, and he's like putting her business out there in front of everybody, and so he kept going, and he said, while you were crying, you were asking God, God, do you, do you really love me? And he continued, and he was like, well, I, I want to let you know that uh, the Lord sent me here today to tell you uh, that the Lord, that God does really love you. And I don't know what's going, he didn't tell me what's going to go on with the situation that you're going through right now, he didn't tell me what it was, um, but he wanted me, he sent, he sent me here tonight to tell you that God really really does love you and like at this point like everybody's crying uh, in the room both when he's telling the story and he said you know whenever he was uh, sharing this and after after it was over you know they 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 brought her up and they wanted to talk to her and make sure that she wasn't just saying yes to all this stuff just because you know he was saying all this and um, they walked up and they asked her hey you know were you really crying in your room on Tuesday night she said yes and like did you really pray and ask God um, do you really love me and she's like yes and they said are your parents fighting Uh, just taking a guess there and she was like yes and so the guy goes and you think it's your fault and she said not anymore this is what Paul means when he talks about the gifts of the spirit being given for the common good The Bible is amazing, and the Bible has everything we need for for life and for godliness. It's the sword of the Spirit. We base everything on it, but there's some things that our Bible can't do, and the Bible can't tell me that a 12-year-old girl is sitting there crying in her bedroom asking the Lord if he really loves her, carrying a load of guilt that doesn't belong to her, and that's why we need the gifts of the Spirit There's some things that can only happen with them. Where do we go from here with all this? I had about five more stories that I wanted to share, but I'm quite over my time. Um, So where do we go from here, right? Elders told me I can't do an invitation and have everybody come up and uh, start trying to get everybody to speak in tongues and stuff like that. I don't think uh, any of us would be too excited about that yet, even no matter how compelling this message may have been. So um, I, think, I think there's something better. I, I'm, I'm going to give just one last story just to illustrate this. Um, I grew up in a cessationist church. I grew up uh, in a place where none of this stuff was talked about. Nobody believed these things. Um, I was told that it was for the apostles, and you know when the Bible was finished, uh, then all this stuff went away. Um, but I went to... a a camp one year as a college student trying to recruit kids to come to our school and I met this guy named Adam and Adam uh, was very new to the faith. He had only been a Christian for six months Um, and he was here doing this college representative thing with me and he didn't really know anything about the Bible. He didn't know much at all about the Christian faith. He just knew that the Lord had touched him and that he had uh, given his life to Christ as a result. Uh, so, really new baby Christian. We met this guy, uh, this drummer for the band that was there that week, and we started talking with him, and this guy started sharing all these stories, and he started sharing about the Holy Spirit, and he started telling us these crazy things like um, a few weeks prior, they were at a different camp, this drummer was, and um, this, he, said he found this kid with a, a wrap on his hand, and he went up to this kid um, and he said, hey, can I pray for your hand? And uh, and this kid was not a church kid, okay? Like you could tell that he wasn't like um, a really good like kid who's grown up in church. He was somebody who just got brought there and not really used to all this stuff. So anyway, the kid's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." And so uh, the guy prayed for his hand, and um, he said, "Go ahead and take the wrap off and see how it feels." And so the kid took the wrap off, and uh, the kid just yelled an expletive) <laughs> He, in the middle of church camp, he just yell. he's like, Oh, no way! Oh my, yeah, he just, I'm, I'm gonna stop before I get myself in trouble. Uh, I won't, he just said some bad words. And so he's like yelling these bad words, and he's like, Oh my gosh, man, like it, it's gone, like it's better. And so this guy's sitting here telling us these stories, and you know, I, at that point, in the back of my head, I'm like, God doesn't do that stuff anymore, uh, you know, because it's just the way I've been raised and all that. And, but Adam, he hasn't been raised with the stuff that I have. And so he heard that story. He's like, I want that. And so we go outside and uh, we, get, we gather around to pray. And uh, Jeremy, the drummer, wants to pray uh, for Adam. And uh, I don't remember how we got to, went from that healing to the tongues thing. But uh, basically he gathered around and he prayed for, for Adam. And he said, Lord, I pray that you just give Adam a word in tongues. And Adam Immediately before Jeremy even finished the sentence of that prayer, Adam just started speaking, praying in this language that I had never heard before, that none of us recognized, that Adam had never heard before, and it was just coming out. Just like Acts chapter 2. And we're sitting here and we're just like, whoa. Like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I have a serious intellectual dilemma. I've been told that these things are not real my whole entire life, and, but this guy's right here, he doesn't know anything about the Bible, didn't know what the Holy Spirit was 10 minutes ago. He's here, and they prayed for him, and now he's doing these things that the Bible says should happen, and the Bible says are real, and so I'm sitting here with a dilemma. Uh, and But <laughs> the Lord is starting to, but I'm also growing in this excitement, like, oh, is this, you know, it's kinda like, oh no, is this real? But it's also kinda like, oh, is this real? Uh, and so I sit there and Jeremy looks at me and he says, hey, do you want me to pray for you too? And I'm like, sure, yes, yeah, let's do it. And so he prays for me, same prayer, and I sit there and nothing happens. And although I was tempted to get discouraged um, when that happened, uh, the Lord did some work in my heart and, and he, and he uh, encouraged me and, and basically I ended up leaving that day And I started praying this prayer. I said, Lord, would you teach me more about these things? Lord, would you teach me about the spiritual gifts? I see them right here in your word. I just saw you do this thing that I can't explain. And I didn't obsess about it. It wasn't something I prayed every day, but from there on out, you know, whenever I would think about it, every week, every couple weeks, I would stop and I would pray, God, would you show me these things? And over time, the Lord just started bringing people into my life who knew about these things. The Lord started just doing things around me and like within circles that I was in where he just started doing what I prayed for. He was teaching me about these things. And so he slowly, kindly, gently led me into this stuff um, to where now I'm where I am and uh, I'm comfortable with it and... I believe in it, and I most importantly, I want it. And so my prayer for all of us today is maybe that can be where we start, is maybe we just go home today and we stop and we just get honest with God and we say, God, this stuff this freaks me out. But I see it in your word. The kid on the stage said and gave some stories and stuff, and just stop and pray and say, God, would you teach me the truth about this?' Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would do that for us, that he would lead us into all truth. And so, maybe maybe that's where we can start today, is Holy Spirit, would you lead me into the truth on these things? I'm just gonna pray for us real quick. Uh, Heavenly Father, praise Team, you guys can go ahead and come up. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your spirit. I pray that you would teach us about these things. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon us, that you would fill us, that you would empower your people, and God, that the result would be that we are built up in this church, Lord Jesus, that we are strengthened. God, I pray, do what only you can do with these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray.